Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles, your favorite true crime podcast. I am Donnie, and with me is a man that wants everyone to know that when he sees a sign that says, no alcohol beyond this point, it might as well say, I bet you can't chug that entire beer. That's Dale. <laughs> I bet you I can. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And have often. <laughs> yes. Just don't point. No. Don't point. Just drink that beer and... Roll on. That's it. Move yeah. on. Move on to the next. That's it. <laughs> What's going on? What's man? going on with you? Yeah, same old, same old, bro. That's it. Same old, same old. Yeah, man. Back happy. in the crack house, doing yeah. an episode. Man, big day. Happy, 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 happy. Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, we got a good episode today. It's gonna be good. Yeah, yeah. I you got any good shout outs? Anything you want to hey, talk about? Hey, look at that. Oh man, love that clap. Yeah, how you know? You know what? That's coming. We have a brand new Apple podcast review. We have a five-star five review. Five-star, five-star. That's right. And this comes from Tosh.oc. And it says, 10 out of 10. Love this podcast and the way you guys present the cases. Telling everyone up here in North Dakota to subscribe. Man. Man. <laughs> That's awesome. Man, we really appreciate you. Thanks for taking the time to give us a little review there and the five stars and thanks so much even a little more for spreading the word yes we love the brotherhood and welcome to the family we, yeah we, tell everybody in north dakota about us yeah tell them all <laughs> and pick up their phone and give them five star on their phone yeah just show them how to do it yeah show them how to do it and <laughs> we certainly appreciate it yeah seriously we do really appreciate it thanks so much for taking the time to do that it's it's awesome and uh man that's just why we do it that's all you have to do is just get on apple podcast click that five star write something in the box we get a notification, and you will get a shout-out. That's right. Guaranteed. Yep. <laughs> and also, please, guys, check the store page pretty regular. That stuff goes on sale. You can get you a T-shirt, hoodie, mug, something cool to wear. Yeah. It's on sale fairly regular. Yeah, a good bit of time, actually. Yeah. Especially now. This I guess is... going into the Christmas holidays. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. You get, get, you something. get something cool to wear, man. And it does help support the crack house. It pays a few bills. It really does. We, yeah. Other than that, we're going to get going this episode. All right, man. All right, Dale. You know, we've covered a lot of cases, man, that we talk about suspects or persons of interest that law enforcement will call in to do a polygraph. Right. Yeah. And we report on those findings, and we'll often say that the person passed the polygraph or the person failed the polygraph or, or deception they've shown deception yeah, or inconclusive and yeah really we don't know what any of that means yeah we just <laughs> we say it because that's what we read about right what, but you know it's what happens in the case but we don't know that part of the crime right you know the crime world and what 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 uh what is a pass and what is a fail and etc but today i think we'll clear a lot of things up yeah because we have a we have a guy we got a guy we got a guy we got the guy and his name is david bryant he is a certified forensic polygraph examiner Mm. he is from the state of florida around the tampa area and he has been in law enforcement for a number of years and he's got a a pedigree a mile long yeah, we could do read that out, but then we just have he wouldn't have him on the show. That's right. <laughs> we just read that out. But uh, we are so happy to have him on the show. He's going to answer a lot of questions we have about polygraph and, and tell us a lot of stuff we don't know. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully yeah. we we're excited about this. So oh, I'm just thrilled. Oh uh, yeah, well, we've talked about this all day. <laughs> but we want to welcome David Bryant to the show. Welcome to the show, David. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I hope I can answer your questions and uh, provide some enlightenment as to polygraph because it really is an interesting combination of art and science uh, that's quite useful in the forensic community. Well, we're glad to have you on the show. Heck yeah. First, before we get going, tell us a little bit about you and your background. I, I told a little bit, but you you know more about you than we do, so you tell us about you. 
Don't lie to us. Well, <laughs> sure. Uh, well, uh, like everybody in polygraph, uh, I kind of fell into it backwards. I don't think anybody ever sets out in life to become a polygraph examiner. Most of us come from a background of either military intelligence or from law enforcement as a police detective, and that's where I came from. Uh, I started out as a uniform patrol officer, uh, ended up excelling in uh, working undercover narcotics uh, investigations. Oh, and, wow. uh, uh, was an instructor at the police academy, uh, had a, a good career, and along the way uh, kind of learned more and more about uh, uh, sex crimes and uh, addiction issues and drugs and such, and that led me to interview interrogation school, which is kind of a prerequisite for polygraph school. And uh, then towards the end of my career, uh, some uh, psychologist friend of mine came to me one day and said, hey, are you certified to do polygraph exams? <clears throat> I said, no, I've never been to polygraph school. I had to take one, of course, uh, uh, for security clearance, but uh, uh, and uh, for applicant screening uh, when I became a police officer. But other than that, I really knew nothing about it, and uh, just what everybody else knows from Hollywood on polygraph, of course, which is mostly bad information. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that uh, he was doing. Uh, uh, dealing with sex offenders on a post-conviction basis who were on probation, and as a condition of their probation, they were required to uh, uh, to submit to polygraph exams to verify that they're telling the truth to both their probation officer and to their therapist. And so it's a great program uh, to keep sex, offender, sex offenders contained. Hmm. And uh, he said, you know, with your background, you would really be ideal uh, for for this kind of this kind of gig, and I said, you know, I should look into that. Hmm. So I did, and I went to polygraph school, and uh, I ended up starting my own private business at the same time I was working for the police department. Uh, I made sure there was no conflict of interest. I didn't take any criminal cases in my jurisdiction, uh, but uh, I was doing post conviction sex offenders for Department of Corrections on probation cases, and uh, I retired from the police department three years ago, and uh, now I do private cases. So I work for a variety of private attorneys, insurance companies. And I even take some of those domestics from people who want to know if their spouse cheated on them and stuff like that. Wow. Uh, so we do a wide variety of stuff now. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So not just criminals, yeah. but uh, everything. Yeah. Not just criminals anymore, no. I do uh, applicant screening is, is part of what I do, and I, I contract out to a couple of different police departments that can't afford a full-time polygraph examiner uh, uh, to do applicant screening because it really is a great tool uh, to help a background investigation uh, get some traction and find out things that, frankly, you're never going to find out in a background investigation. Some of the information that I can get from a polygraph exam uh, is stuff that you would never get uh, from doing a background investigation. You're just not going to get it because the information is known only to the subject, and he's not going to give it up uh, unless unless he figures a way for you to find it. And polygraph is a way to find stuff that uh, is being concealed. Hmm. Hmm. Well, tell us exactly what is a polygraph okay well that's a, that's a great question that's a great place to start yeah exactly uh, poly polygraph comes from you know latin of course uh poly means many graph means writings and that's what we're getting with a polygraph instrument and it is a machine there is no such thing first off as a lie detector machine that technology doesn't exist and never will in my opinion because lies are much more complicated than people think it's a deep psychological process and there's a lot of reasons why we tell lies as human beings. Some of them are necessary. Uh, lying is an important part of human interaction, so it's part of who we are. Uh, you know, if, if you say, how are you doing today? I say, great, how are you? And we continue on with business. I don't give you the whole rundown of, you know, I'm kind of constipated. I haven't had a good bowel movement in the past three days. You don't want to hear all that. We just get on with business. I say it's fine. So some lies are socially acceptable lies that we tell. Uh, 
So and it's important to do that. <clears throat> but polygraph is measuring a uh, psychological process uh, that's, that actually what it's measuring is physiological responses that are based on psychological processes. So specifically what I'm measuring with a polygraph, the channels that I'm using, I use uh, several channels. I have a, uh, a pneumograph uh, that is going to record breathing, inhalation, exhalation ratios, and changes in breathing patterns. I'll use a sphygmomanometer, which is simply a blood pressure cuff. Mm -hmm. And on that channel, I'm going to be looking at mean blood pressure level, pulse rate, and blood volume changes. Then I'll use electrodes that can either be on the plates on the fingertips or electrodes uh, on the palm of the hand. You can put them on their feet, but I don't like to mess with people's feet. Yeah. <laughs> I usually just stick with the hands. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that measures electrodermal reactions on the surface of your skin. It's affected by sweat glands. Right? Uh, then we use a pathismograph, and that's basically uh, it's a little light that shines through your finger. It's looking at blood flow to the extremities. Uh, and then, of course, we use a motion sensor. That's a, usually a pad that the person sits on during the test. <clears throat> that channel does not detect deception. It's simply a quality control measure to make sure the person is sitting still throughout the exam. So all of that data is collected continuously while a series of questions are being asked. And here's one of the first points that Hollywood always gets wrong. All of the questions on every polygraph exam, and it doesn't matter whether it's uh, did you cheat on your spouse or did you murder that man or did you start that fire, all the questions on the test are always reviewed in advance word for word before any polygraph testing begins. Right? So Hollywood likes to show interrogation mixed with polygraph. And it's true that, in a, that polygraph examiners, first and foremost, are interrogators. Interrogation is what I do. Mm -hmm. and, and, of course, as soon as I use the word interrogation, people often conjure up images about torturing people and stuff. And we don't torture people. First off, it's illegal, it's unethical, it's immoral. Uh, uh, but it, from a scientific standpoint, it's ineffective. If you hurt me, I'll say whatever I think you want me to say so you don't hurt me anymore. It's not necessarily going to be the truth. So torture is not what we do. Modern interrogation is more like salesmanship. Uh, it, it's about uh, overcoming someone's objections. Uh, building bridges to build relationships, uh, getting the person to cross the bridge, closing the deal. It's, 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 it's really like, just like selling a car. Uh, you're, you're trying to appeal to this person to obtain information and to get them to see it your way, understand what they're saying, address their needs, and then come to a conclusion that you can mutually agree upon. So that's what interrogation is. So but when we do interrogate before a polygraph exam, we damn sure interrogate after a polygraph exam if somebody fails. But during the test, we're scientists. We're simply gathering physiological data. And we need that data to be pristine, which means we ask the same questions several times because we have to have consistency. And we ask the same questions over and over again uh, to make sure we have enough quantity and enough quality of data that we can then evaluate at the end of the test to determine the person is either deceptive or they're truthful. So it's not like in Hollywood where they just ask one question one time and give a little thumbs up or thumbs down or a magic green light or red light on the, the instrument. It doesn't work that way. A polygraph is an instrument that's recording physiological data, pure and simple. That's mm -hmm. it. That's the science. The art is asking the right questions and then analyzing your data. <clears throat> so I hope that's kind of a long answer to a short question, but uh, it's necessary to understand the basics of, of what we're doing. Well, it's very interesting. Yeah. What what's involved in a polygraph examination? Is there there like a a, a pre question time before the actual hookup to the machine, or how does how does all that involve as far as 
the process of you know giving a an examination? Sure. Well, first off, it's an instrument, not a machine. Yeah. Uh, machines do things. Instruments okay. record things. So it's an instrument. It's recording physiological data. But yeah, you're right. There has to be a procedure before that. The person doesn't just walk in the room and I attach some components and start recording data. There's a long conversation that happens. In fact, most of the time spent in a polygraph session is going to be in the pre-test interview phase. And that's where we explain the instrumentation, explain what's going to happen, and then get into talking about the individual and then talking about the case specifically. So before I get ready to do a polygraph exam, I want to know all I can know about that person, and I want to know all I can about the case. So uh, it's often said the, the, the highest level of uh, security clearance is that of a polygraph examiner, because a polygraph examiner needs to know everything he can about the case before he walks into that room. Uh, and you want to know what you can about this person. Uh, because I'm again, I'm an interrogator. I want to appeal to this person. I want to know what's going to work with them, what turns them on, what turns them off, uh, what I should avoid, what I can use, uh, because I'm going to try to build bridges with this person, and I want to be able to communicate with this person. Okay. Uh, and then I want to know from them all that they know about the case. Uh, and then specifically what I'm interested in finding is what is it that they're denying. Uh, it's a it's a great case for me if the person gives me a categorical denial. You know, if I'm asking about robbing a bank, and this person says, "Look, I've never robbed any bank in my life, and this bank you're talking about, uh, I've never even been in there. I don't have an account there. I've never been in that place. I don't even really know where it is." Great, easy test for me. I'm going home early because this guy's either flat out lying or he's telling the truth. Either way, I'm going to get good charts on him. Uh, it's much harder for me if he says, "Look, I've robbed lots of banks, just not the one you're talking about." Okay, I'm not going home early anymore. This guy's going to be a little harder, but I'm still going to get a good test out of him, assuming he's telling me the truth, uh, because I can pass this guy, but he's got to tell me some information. I have to be careful how I word my questions to make sure that I'm measuring what I think I'm measuring. Mm -hmm. So I've got to make sure I ask the right questions. You ask the wrong questions, that's the art, then the science becomes worthless. So you have to be sure of your questions and make sure they apply properly to that situation and to that individual. If you don't do that, the test is garbage, and it won't help. Hmm. Hmm. <clears throat> so it seems a lot of this is know-how also, you know, with added the instrument, right? <clears throat> yeah, experience is vital right. for polygraph. Yeah, you couldn't give, uh, you know, give someone a, a basic instruction on how to administer a polygraph exam and expect them to use it with any degree of accuracy. Uh, it won't work. It, uh, because, like I said, it is a combination of art and science, and that's why you have to have somebody who's skilled not only at interrogation but at actually using a polygraph instrument as an interrogator uh, to get the most out of it. So oh. the skill of the examiner is critical to the process. Uh, so, like I said, combination of art and science. Okay. How many questions are you allowed to ask or a person? Or is there a number? Or is a number, yeah. Yeah, the question is one. Uh, most polygraph exams, the best exams, are a specific issue test. So we limit it to one issue on that test. It's a did you do a test. So if I've got a guy in that I'm going to be talking about, uh, oh, let's say I'm talking to a guy about a burglary, and uh, another detective walks by and says, hey, that guy you're talking about at burglary, he fits the profile of this arsonist I'm looking for. Can you throw in a question about arson? I say, sure, I'll be happy to ask a question about arson, but I'm going to do that next Thursday. Today I'm going to be testing them on burglary. Okay? We're not combining issues. You don't want to set up a test where somebody could be telling the truth to one question but lying about another question because that will 
interfere with the entire test. Uh, <coughs> so it's very specific. The only time that we do multi-issue testing is when the results don't matter. Okay, and you think, well, that sounds odd. When would the results not matter? Uh, I'll give you an example. A police applicant screening test, okay? The results don't matter because if the applicant lies anywhere on the test, we're simply going to disqualify him. But the fact is we won't know specifically unless we do further breakout testing whether he lied to the question about drug use or the question about domestic violence or the question about theft or the question about lying on the application. What we know is he's lied on the test, and we'll simply disqualify him unless you know unless there's a reason not to. Um, now, if he makes some admissions, then we may decide we want to okay, let's do some breakout testing and and narrow this down. Uh, if he if he's unless he's admitted to something that's disqualifying in and of itself, and then we're done. Uh, but so we do for screening tests, we use multiple issue testing. But generally, we like to avoid multiple issue testing. Uh, it, it's not as reliable. And just because the person reacts on one question, there's often bleed over from other questions. So you can't be certain, and you can never say he passed this question, but he failed that question. If he lies anywhere on the test, he fails the test, period. And you can't be certain unless you do further breakout testing exactly which question he's lying to. So the best polygraph exams are specific issue. You limit it to the one issue, and then you'll, you might ask the same question several different ways on the test, Okay. And then there'll be other questions that are <clears throat> control questions and, and uh, uh, comparison types of questions that you use on the test that are, are prearranged. But again, all the questions are reviewed in advance, so the person isn't surprised by any of the questions on the test. They hear them all. They're comfortable with the questions. We'll, we'll reword them if we have to to make sure the person's comfortable with the question, clarify any issues, uh, add qualifiers. You know, so if the person says, oh, uh, yeah, I, I did this thing, but not... Uh, not in the past two years. Okay, that's great. I'll just add a qualifier. So, you know, since uh, December of uh, 2022, have you ever, you know, stolen anything from your employer? You know, that's a fair question. That. Um, so you have, but you have to discuss it with the person in advance, make sure they're comfortable with all of the issues, and that they understand the questions. They can answer them with a simple yes and no. Oh well, wow. so you actually go over the with the actual questions beforehand. Yes, the questions are reviewed okay. word for word before you ever even <clears throat> attach any components to the instrument. Yep, that's one of the things that Hollywood always gets wrong. They yeah, like to mix the interrogation in and interrogate somebody on a polygraph instrument, and you cannot do that. It doesn't work. Wow. Yeah, it's always like a blindside thing when you're watching TV or, or movies. <clears throat> yeah, or something. yeah, exactly. Yeah, if, if, if I ask you any question, it doesn't matter what I ask you, I could ask you what you had for breakfast, and you're going to react to that question because you're surprised by the question. It doesn't mean you're deceptive on it. It just means that you know, you're surprised by the question. So that would mean absolutely nothing to me. The physiological data... Uh, would not indicate deception or truthfulness. It would just indicate that you're surprised by the question. So that's of no value whatsoever. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It does make a lot of sense. Yeah. So what does it mean by a person failed a polygraph test? I mean, how, how many okay. uh, how many questions do they have to miss or explain if, that if to us? If they lie to a relevant question, uh, the way you fail a polygraph exam is really simple lie to a relevant question or withhold information that you believe is relevant to that relevant question. Mm -hmm. okay? And when they said if, if the results are they failed the test, that means that they showed a significant reaction to a relevant question. And then, uh, yeah, that's, that's deception. So, uh, so then you have to look at the question and say, all right, 
how, what did this person say? And, and you ask the person right on the spot because the, the post-test interrogation is, is going to be right immediate. The polygraph examiner is in the perfect position now to say, hey, you know, the, because the subject already knows they're lying. So now that you know you're li they're lying, you can tell them, now I know you're lying. What are you lying about? And, uh, and that's the, the post-test interrogation is actually very simple and straightforward because they already know they're lying. Now you know they're lying, so you ask them, what are you lying about? I know you're lying. What, is you, what are you lying about? Uh, and, and you try to clear it up then. And yeah. that may mean more testing, uh, but uh, it depends on you know what they're admitting to. Yeah, all the cards are on the table at that point. Yeah. yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. the gig is up. And if you've asked the right question, now you know what you're dealing with. And, uh, and it's time for the person to either fess up or lawyer up because uh, it's, mm -hmm. the lying is over. Well, what does it mean when a test is inconclusive? You know, we hear that a lot. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's a fair uh, a fair call for a polygraph examiner. Inclusive, inconclusive simply means I don't know. Okay, it doesn't mean the person lied, and it doesn't mean they've told the truth. But the fact is, they did either lie or tell the truth. But as an examiner, when you're inconclusive, it simply means that you don't know. You you either don't have enough data to score, or the quality of your data is too hmm. poor to come to a conclusion. So much like medical exam, you know, if, if I go to the to my doctor and I've got something growing out of the side of my neck, well, it's either cancer or it's not. So they do a little biopsy. The biopsy comes back, it'll say you have cancer, you don't have cancer. But sometimes it comes back as inconclusive, which okay. means they don't know. I still either have cancer or I don't, but they don't know. So then the question is, do we do another biopsy to, to see if we can figure it out? Or do we say, you know what, whatever it is, it's kind of ugly, let's go ahead and take it off, and we'll send the whole thing to the lab and let them look at it more there and decide whether or not you need chemotherapy. But either way, got to go, let's just take it. Hmm. So, so yeah, that's what inconclusive means. Inconclusive just, just means I don't know. Okay. Hmm. That makes sense to me then. Yeah. 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 So sometimes you just run extra charts, and you'll get what you need. But uh, sometimes, you know, you've just had a bad question or the subject isn't fit to be, to be tested and he's just going to be inconclusive. Hmm. Hmm. So when you uh, do, do one of these, what is like the time frame? How long does it usually take? Or is there a specific, I mean, does some go really long and some don't, like you said before? Some do go longer than others. Uh, usually uh, when I schedule a test, I schedule a two-hour time block. Uh, I'm going to use, I'm certainly going to use 90 minutes of that, uh, but uh, whether I need more uh, or I get it done a little faster, it depends on the individual uh, and how extensive an interrogation there's going to be. Uh, in cases, let me uh, see if I can fix that. I think I was running out of battery on the phone, so now, now I should be okay. Okay. Uh, sorry, let me, let me okay. go back and answer, answer that question a little okay. better for you. Uh, you you had asked uh, about uh, we talked about inconclusives. What was your next the time? Question? The time limit or your time? Oh, the time yeah, the your time, time. Of the test. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, uh, two hours is about right for most of them, uh, but uh, sometimes they go longer. You know, depending on if the person's giving me information, uh, I'll go longer on the test with them uh, to uh, obtain more information. So is uh, that that includes like the pre pre interview and all that, right? Or are they actually uh, yeah. ho hooked up for two hours? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. They're not actually on, on a polygraph instrument recording data for two hours. No, actually, that time uh, is, is fairly limited. That time is usually only about, oh, maybe 20 minutes. 
uh, to gather the physiological data. Most of the time, like I said, it's spent in the pretest phase. Yeah, yeah. It, when we do the the pretest, you're going over all the material with the person and talking to them about uh, uh, you know how the test works and what's going to happen okay. during the test and all. Yeah. I don't know, the one thing that that gets me that about polygraph is, you know, Bill and I were talking about this earlier today. If you know, if I'm hooked up to an instrument and they're, I'm being asked, did I steal that money? You know, the first thing that's going to come into my mind is I stole a crayon from Billy in kindergarten, and right. you know, and that's going to be on my mind. Yep, absolutely, and, and that's okay. Uh, that's perfectly normal. Uh, everybody has uh, anxiety about taking a polygraph. Yeah. Everybody's nervous about taking a polygraph. That's one of the concerns people have. If I'm nervous, I'm going to fail. Not true. That's a myth. Everybody's nervous to take a polygraph exam. Innocent people and guilty people are both nervous about the exam. Uh, so that's where the questions have to come in. So if I'm going to ask you questions about something about theft, I'm not going to ask you, you know, you know did, you, did you ever steal anything? Uh, that's not a fair question. I got of it. course you have. Uh, I'm going to be very specific. Uh, in fact, I, I had a case once uh, involving you know, a bank theft uh, where there was some embezzlement from a teller. And we were looking for, I don't know what it was, $80,000 or something. And, uh, and this teller uh, had failed her first polygraph exam. And uh, so they were looking at her, but she didn't fit the rest of the, the case very well. And then I got called in to do uh, a follow-up on it. And, uh, and, and so then I talked to her about it. And she admitted to me that what she had done well, she had taken uh, $40 from the bank one day because she needed gas for her car and was able to put it back successfully after that, uh, but, and nobody ever caught her for it. So she, was, she stole $40 from the bank and she put it back. All right, well, that's against bank policy, mm -hmm. but as far as being the embezzler we're looking for, she's not the person. She was innocent. Uh, but, so we had to clarify that issue with her to get her to pass the test. That I don't care about the forty dollars. I'm interested in eighty thousand dollars. Did you take any part of that? No, she's good. So that's where you have to be specific with the question. So if you're taking a polygraph exam, uh, you want to talk about anything that you think is relevant to the question. So if you're being questioned about embezzling money from the bank, uh, and rather than you know, have you ever embezzled money from the bank? Uh, might be better to say, hey, wait, I did take $40 once. Uh, is that what you're talking about? No, of course, that's not what we're talking about. So then we'll, we'll make a better question now and say, did you take any of that $80,000 or have you embezzled any money from the bank in the past month? Uh, you know, there's a way that we can qualify the question and make a better question if we have more information. So if you're taking the test, you want the polygraph examiner to have any information that you think is relevant to that question. Uh, otherwise, you're, you're going to sabotage your test. And so you don't want to do that. You want to talk about it. And the examiner, of course, needs to make sure that he knows the right information to ask the right question. So uh, I, I'll give you another quick story if you want. Sure. Uh, okay. Uh, so we've got a guy who's accused on, of robbing a bank. Uh, it's not just a robbery. It's a robbery homicide. The teller gets shot. Okay. So if, if he comes in and says, look, you know, I don't know anything about this. All right, great. Uh, completely innocent guy, categorical denial. If I were to ask him, did you rob the bank, did you shoot the teller? Right? He ends up going deceptive on my charts, and I say, okay, we got our guy here. He's, he's the shooter. You could even take my charts for quality control to another examiner. He'd look at him and say, yep, that's absolute deception. He's lying. But the pictures come back from the bank. It's not him. Nobody in the bank can identify this guy. We get fingerprints from the suspect in the bank, and they don't match his. 
So what's going on? We got a problem here, all right? Well, come to find out, this guy's the getaway driver. Okay, oh. he wasn't in the bank. His buddies was the one that robbed the bank. His buddy shot the teller. He, they get in the car, they split up, catch the the driver, but they don't catch the other guy. All right. So he's sitting there taking a polygraph exam. With hearing those questions, he's thinking, "Oh, cool." I'm nervous about this test, but I'm feeling better now. They're just going to ask me, did I shoot the teller? Did I rob the bank? No, I did not. Cool, I'm telling the truth. I can pass. No, you won't. You're going to fail every time because you're withholding information that you know is relevant to that question. So he legitimately fails that test. The, the science works perfectly. He's deceptive. He fails the test. What fails in that scenario is the art. If I ask a question like that, that's a terrible question to ask somebody who's denied a bank robbery because it doesn't leave open the, the, the option for some limited involvement, which in his case, there is limited involvement. He's the getaway driver. Now, he can, one or two things can happen. He could either tell me up front, hey, look, I didn't shoot the teller, I'm just the getaway driver, in which case I'll ask a better question. I'll tie my questions to specific behaviors that he's denying. So I might ask him, did you go in that bank and give the teller a note demanding money? Did you point a gun at that teller and squeeze the trigger? All right, these are very specific behaviors that he's denying and he'll be able to pass that test all right but or the other way it can go is he maintains his complete denial no i don't know anything about it lie 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 in which case the question i might ask him is do you know for certain who robbed that bank because the only way you know for certain is it was you you were there you saw the person or somebody told you they did it otherwise you don't know for certain Okay, if you're innocent, you know nothing about this, then you don't know for certain. But if you're involved, you do know for certain. Now, when he fails that question, I don't go back and tell the other detectives, hey, we got our shooter. I say, this guy is lying. He is withholding information. He is involved in this crime in some significant way because he's showing reaction to that question. He's not telling the truth. All right, now we can interrogate him and say, hey, look, we know you're lying. You know, what did what, you have to do with this bank robbery because we know you're involved? What are, you, what are you not telling us? Mm. Okay, so you've got to ask the right question. That's where I got to where I told you originally. It's a combination of art and science. <laughs> the science is straightforward. You're gathering physiological data. The art is asking the right question. If you ask the wrong question, you can make a mess of an investigation. So you have to ask the proper questions. And depending on what the subject tells you, uh, you can ask a better question or a worse question. Uh, but if you ask the wrong question, you can mess up a test. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So really, uh, really knowing what you're doing in all this pre-interview stuff is really, really almost as important as actual machine time. Oh, oh sorry. It's, Instrument it's, time. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're getting the lingo. Yeah, get it right. Uh, get it right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's critical to the process. Yeah. If you, if you screw it up in the beginning, you can't bail it out with the technology later. Uh, it, it doesn't work that way. You have to have the art proper in order for the science to work for you hmm. very interesting that is interesting wow see i didn't know all that stuff yeah, no. No, of course yeah. not <laughs> Hollywood doesn't teach it that way no, huh? they teach it like it's just this magic box that you throw up there and uh, and you know a red light comes on if they're lying a green light if they're telling the truth and then you ask your next question and it'll do the same thing again and that's like a magic Ouija board for policemen. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's made like on TV nope. anyway. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. We wish we had that, but no. That, like I said, that technology just doesn't exist. Yeah, I remember what I was telling Dale today. I remember watching a old TV show with Effie Bailey, Lie Detector. I don't know if you remember that TV show or not. 
I do. Yeah. yeah. I remember watching yeah. that as a kid. Yeah, was, well, they, the, they were trying to, they were doing it for entertainment purposes. Yeah, now, exactly. Ashley Bailey uh, actually went to polygraph school himself because he was so intrigued by polygraph. Mm-hmm. And he insisted that his clients all take polygraph exams because he knows it was a good tool. And he was a, uh, an attorney of such high stature, he did not want to be embarrassed by one of his own clients lying to him in court. So he didn't want to take any chances that he was going to get blindsided by a client who's lied to him. And you'd be surprised how often people lie to their own attorneys. I see it all the time. That's brilliant. Uh, and, and you always know, tell people, don't lie to your doctor, your lawyer, or your accountant, because they're on your side and they can't help you unless you tell them the truth. Uh, but still people lie to their own attorneys. And uh, F. Lee Bailey was one that he, he knew that, and he wanted to make sure his clients, he, he needed to know the information. He would still defend them. Uh, he's got no problem with defending guilty people. And hell, he, he defended O.J., for God's sake. Yeah, that's so, right. uh, uh, But, <laughs> you know, and here's a, a little fact that, that came out after the O.J. case. O.J. actually took a polygraph exam. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. Uh, and <laughs> what happened is the, the media was following O.J. around, and uh, they caught him going into an, uh, an office with a polygraph examiner. And so they confronted him on it, and O.J. not being smart enough to just keep his mouth shut. Uh, when they said, well, did you take a polygraph exam? Uh, O.J. responded, well, I tried it on, but it didn't work very well because the needles were jumping around too much. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what actually happened in that case, because I'm, I'm privy to some information on that that's, that's now no longer classified, uh, is that uh, uh, what he had arranged? Uh, Ethel Bale arranged for OJ to take a polygraph exam, a straight, you know, did you do it kind of test, mm-hmm. and uh, he instructed the examiner to run an incomplete test. In other words, don't collect a lot of data. He wanted him to collect about half the data that we would normally collect on a chart, and then stop the test after he's gotten halfway through, which means he's presented the questions I think just once or twice instead of the normal. Uh, repetitive times, proper number of times. And after that abbreviated test, he said, give him a break and call me. So the the examiner did exactly what he was paid to do. He ran the chart just up to a certain point and then called F. Lee Bailey. And F. Lee Bailey says, take the chart that you have right now and score it out and tell me what you got. And F. Lee Bailey's in the polygraph examiner, so he understands the scoring of charts. Right. And uh, the chart was clearly going in the deceptive direction. There was no doubt about it that if we completed this test, it would score out as a deceptive exam. And at that point, F. Lee Bailey said, stop the exam. We are done. Go no further. And this is an inconclusive test because it was not completed. And the examiner agreed, yeah, I don't have enough uh, enough data. I haven't very a amount of data to score this. So I can't write it. This is a failed exam. It's an inconclusive test. So that's why <laughs> O.J. was able to say, yeah, I tried it on, but it didn't work for me. Uh, but there were no needles involved in that test. There, there were no pens on that. It was a, it was a modern computer polygraph instrument, uh-huh. and the subject cannot see the 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 uh, the charts during the test anyway. So O.J. would not have known anything about what his charts looked like. He would have never seen them. So that was ridiculous for, yes. for O.J. to assert that. Good Lord. Uh, but a lot of people believe, though, also one of the common beliefs is, is the old analog instruments. Hollywood loves them. That's the ones with the paper coming out the side and the, mm-hmm. and the pens scratching around on the surface. Those are antiques. We haven't used those in over 20 years. Uh, Today everything is computerized, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a laptop computer with a bunch of accessories and 
uh, attachments that, that go on, but it's a laptop computer screen is what you're looking at during the test. It's no longer pen and ink and paper rolling out the side of the chart and all that. Sure, it's so it's a lot more convenient. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, they're much more reliable. Uh, there's things you can do on them. You can amplify signals. You can enhance uh, uh, you, you know, your data. It's, it's so much better. I, I kind of like it in agriculture. You know, if I wanted to plow a field, I could use a horse and a plow, but I'd rather have a tractor. And uh, yeah. a computerized polygraph instrument is a tractor compared to an analog horse and plow. So uh, we, don't, we don't go backwards in technology. We go forward. And uh, a computerized polygraph is so much better than uh, the old analog instruments. Well, explain to us about, you know, we're talking about uh, OJ in court and all that stuff. How much is the, you know, we've always heard the myth that polygraph results aren't admissible in court. Is that true? And, and, and explain that to us a little bit. Yeah, generally, they're not. Um, now, that being said, I've testified as an expert witness in polygraph cases in court, in both state and federal court on polygraph. So it does get admitted in certain circumstances, but generally it doesn't, and nor should it, in my opinion, because it is a combination of art and science. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to reduce trials to my polygraph expert versus your polygraph expert, and then we're going to argue about charts and how we scored them. Uh, polygraph is better used as an investigative tool and it's used all the time in decisions uh, about an investigation and decisions about how to prosecute a case uh, so but those are all in negotiations before court as actually presenting it as a piece of evidence it's a standalone piece of evidence no generally you don't use it that way uh, and most of the time it would not receive any admissibility for that nor should it uh, so when somebody says it's not admissible uh, what they really say is there's no blanket admissibility for polygraph, uh, and nor should there be. Okay. Um, but it comes in by stipulation all the time. It's certainly used uh, even in in, uh, uh, in court for uh, he said she said situations. Uh, we we get it brought in that way. Uh, but most of the time these are done pre-trial uh, and sometimes post-conviction, like for sex offenders. Uh, they're given polygraphs as a condition of probation. They've already been sentenced, and now they're uh, given polygraphs that are court-ordered polygraphs uh, to make sure they're not lying to their therapist or probation so they can keep them on the right track and monitor them. Uh, so, yeah, it is used in legal things all the time, uh, but it doesn't get blanket admissibility as a piece of evidence. Um, but I can tell you, if, if you look at uh, the court decisions on what does, uh, where our accuracy is, uh, Nobody is as good as DNA. DNA is kind of the gold standard, but even they are 99.999 percentile, uh, but they're not 100%. Mm -hmm. they're, they're very good. Fingerprints, you know, if you've got enough points on a fingerprint, you can get way up into that uh, 99th percentile. Uh, we're somewhere around 85 to 95% accuracy, which places us less reliable than DNA and fingerprints, but actually more reliable than eyewitness testimony, ballistics, uh, and impressions. That's really uh, good. So, so we're, we're those things are down in the fifty, sixty, and seventy percentile, and we're over eighty percent. So we're much better than ballistics, uh, wow. but yet ballistics gets admitted routinely, and polygraph doesn't. So that might not be fair either. Uh, but I'm not one that thinks that we should have uh, trial by polygraph. We're we're not that good yet. There is an error rate, uh, and and that's part of the part of the process. Yeah. So what we try to use instead of polygraph uh, is the person's admissions. 
and the admissions, uh, and I've been in cases before where I've testified as to what the person said, but I'm not allowed to talk about the polygraph exam because that's not part of that could be prejudicial towards the jury. But his statement to me absolutely can be admitted. He told me this that during interrogation. Here's what he said he did. Okay, that's absolutely admissible. Okay. Um, so yeah, so that's what that's why you use proper uh, proper polygraph. It's part of the interrogation. Yeah. So you're just using a piece of it for the the testimony then. I'm kind of using the results. Yeah. I use, I, I use the 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 polygraph was the tool that got me to confront him in the interrogation and his admission in the interrogation is what's going to get used later on. And frankly, most of those don't get used in trials because if the person admits to the crime, they're usually going to take a plea deal uh, and there's not going to be a trial. Uh, like when I do sex offenders, uh, people who molest kids, uh, my motivation there is to spare a child from having to testify, yeah. to spare this uh, this issue from going to court. Because when you go to court, it's a roll of the dice. You don't know what's going to happen. The jury might buy what he's saying or they might not. But if I get a confession out of him, the trial's probably over. That's just a question of what the sentence is going to be now. Because if he admits to it, you know, there, we, we avoid that whole possibility of getting this person found not guilty or uh, the case disappearing or the witness is not testifying well or the jury not buying what he had to say or who knows what can happen trials are always a roll of the dice uh but confessions that's a sure thing and then you don't have a trial so it saves the taxpayers a lot of money mm -hmm. and uh, it, it, uh, it keeps the victim from having to testify which is something that i'm always interested in having done yeah definitely, yeah, definitely. man it's really yeah. neat stuff man it really is yeah. so what is the big difference between say a uh, a criminal in investigation and a job app screening as far as what you do on your questions and stuff. Uh, you mean a criminal specific exam and, a, and an applicant screening test? Correct. Oh, okay, sure. I'm sure it's well, a big the difference. Specific, yeah, the, the difference is what I know. Uh, in a criminal test, I know what I'm looking for. You know, I'm looking for a murderer, I'm looking for an arsonist, I'm looking for an embezzler, I'm looking for a thief or whatever. On a applicant screening test, I have no idea what I'm looking for. It's a blind fishing expedition. So I've got to cover all the likely areas, and I'm going to be asking for information from this person. So I'm going to go over with them all the things that I'm interested in. So like for a police applicant, I'm interested in, did he lie on his application? Has he lied about his work history? Has he lied about any disqualifiers? Like is he you know, the right age, not a convicted felon, uh, a U.S. citizen, all that kind of stuff? But then I also want the character issues. Uh, I want to know about, uh, have you ever been fired from a job that you haven't talked about? I want to know about illegal drug use. I want to know about your credit history. I want to know about uh, things you've stolen from work. I want to know about uh, any crimes you've committed that were undetected. And typically, uh, you'll get silly stuff, you know, things that aren't disqualifying. Like, you know, okay, I, I, uh, 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 I, I stole beer out of my neighbor's uh, refrigerator in his garage when I was 16, and we drank beer and skipped school one day. Okay, fine, what else? <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I smoked marijuana. Okay, when was the last time? How many times total? Okay, great, we'll move on from that. What else? Uh, you know, I, I shoplifted a candy bar. Okay, how old were you? Well, I was 12. Okay, anything since then? No. You ever stolen anything from an employer? Well, yeah, I, I took uh, stationery from the, the office. I took pens and paper. Okay, total how much? Okay, you know, $50. Great. Anything else? Ever stole any cash? Any just stole anybody's ID? So I'm asking a whole variety of questions. And then I'll reduce them down to the things that I'm interested in on the polygraph and then run charts on those issues. 
And if I can clear him, if he passes all those hurdles, then I know that he's given me information that's complete and accurate. And then somebody else can decide, yeah, we can live with that or no, we're going to disqualify him for that. So I've had people admit to felonies. Uh, I had one uh, uh, not too long ago where uh, a person uh, was an applicant for a police position, and uh, he admitted to me that... uh, he was involved, uh, he was working at a spring training baseball camp for uh, Major League Baseball, and we had a lot of spring training stuff going on here in Florida, and he had access to the locker room, and he stole $1,500 out of a player's locker uh, during spring training. And so, well, that's interesting, you know, this was a year before. Uh, so at the end of our session, I said, well, I appreciate your time and all that. I said, but you know, I have some, some bad news and more bad news. I said, the, the bad news is we're not going to be hiring you for a job at the police department, and the more bad news is, uh, outside, there's a detective here from the sheriff's office that wants to talk to you about that, that theft you admitted to. Wow. <laughs> and, and he was he was arrested on the spot. Uh, so, and then, like I said, that's the kind of information. Yeah, they had an, an active uh, case on that, but they had no suspect in mind. Uh, but he admitted to it uh, during the pre-employment screening. Kind of uh, stupid of him, but I'm glad he did because they cleared that case. Uh, and we spared ourselves from hiring a potential thief and giving them a badge and a gun. Yeah, no so doubt. That's, that's yeah. a win-win for everybody. Wow. So how often is it mm-hmm. when a, a person is told that, you know, we want you to come in and take a polygraph, that, you know, maybe they're scared of the polygraph and they just go ahead and fess up? Um, oh, yeah, that uh, happens all the time. Yeah. Uh, I have some uh, some detectives that, that the threat of me – uh, they, they just they threaten them with me, and I never see the case because they get the confession before I ever get there. Uh, and that's fine too. Uh, saves saves me coming down to get it. Uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, that 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 happens all the time. Uh, you know, people are afraid of polygraphs uh, for two reasons. Uh, one is they know they're lying and they're going to get caught, and the other is they they're innocent and they're afraid they're going to look like a liar. So I can educate the latter. Uh, if somebody says, you know, I, I, I'm afraid of this polygraph because, you know, I, I think you're not going to believe me. I get that. I'd be nervous about that, too. Oh, yeah. I can assure them that that's not the case. And I do a little pretest with them. I do it with everybody to calibrate the instrument. But I show them where I have them pick a number and then lie about it uh, so that they can see that, yes, it really does work and that, uh, uh, that, uh, that you know, if, if they tell the truth, they're going to be believed. And if they lie, they're going to be caught. So I give them a chance to kind of lie for free. It also gives me a, a chance to adjust the sensitivity on the instrument. That's really the main reason I do it for a scientific purpose. But for the innocent person, it helps reassure them that they're going to do fine on the test. For the guilty party, it amps them up even more. And you'd be surprised how many people will confess to me at that point in the test. They say, oh, wait, this really works. Uh, well, let me <laughs> tell you something first before we go any further. <laughs> okay, great. I love it. Uh, makes my job easier. Uh, in fact, sometimes I get such a good, complete confession in the pretest that I never even run the charts. I never even get a chance to polygraph them because they've admitted to all the elements ahead of time, and I've got a complete confession. There's no reason to go any farther, uh, and that's great. That's a good day's work. So uh, it saves a lot of time and effort for other people if uh, if I'm able to clear the case in the polygraph session. So that's why it's a great tool for interrogation. Yeah, definitely. It's pretty impressive. Man. It is. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know all this stuff. This is <clears throat> this, this is good for me. It is. It's I love it. David, is there any um high profile cases that you've been a part of or anything? That oh, you can talk about? Most of them I can't talk about though. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh yeah, I've uh I've, I've had uh, uh had a, a whole bunch that I can't talk about. I'm trying to think of, of some good ones that I can talk about. Um, I, I did one, 
Uh, here's one I can talk about that was for a foreign country, and as long as I don't mention the country, it'd be okay. I got a call uh, to go to a, a country in the Caribbean. Uh, they had a, uh, a, a theft, uh, people breaking into these uh, villas that were... Uh, uh, this, this island is full of extremely wealthy people. Uh, it's the main source of income for the island. It's, this is a place where people like to go to disappear for a little while mm -hmm. and uh, hang out with their friends and... Uh, and do whatever they do, but they can disappear and not be bothered and have a lot of privacy. And uh, and, and somebody was breaking in to their villas that are usually unoccupied a lot of the year, and uh, uh, and, and and ransacking them, stealing stuff. And they they were going into the safes. And originally it was supposed to be a safe job uh, because they said that they were breaking into the safes that were in these in these villas, and they'd had a series of them. And the problem was uh, that they were building more of these villas for millionaires and billionaires around the world. And uh, this was right after the whole thing with Vandersloot killing that woman in Aruba. Yeah, and Natalie Holloway. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. It, it destroyed the economy in Aruba because people weren't safe. They felt they weren't safe there. So all the investors moved to other places, including this particular country. And... Uh, uh, this was threatening the, the the economy of the whole country, for that matter, because uh, if these investors that were building there moved out because they weren't safe there, and, could, and, and the catalyst for this was one of the last one that really broke, the straw that broke the camel's back was they broke into a house while uh, the homeowner was actually there and confronted a woman in the shower, tied her up and threw her in the closet. And uh, and that and then that was the final straw. Then they said, "Okay, this isn't safe anymore," and they they couldn't contain the information that was getting out about this place being unsafe, and so they said, "We have to solve this crime right now." So I get a phone call from this guy, uh, long distance call, uh, saying, "You know, would you would you come to our our country and and do a test?" And I, I was thinking it was a joke, uh, and uh, so I, I demanded a pretty high fee, and he agreed immediately. And I said, "Well, you know, you're going to have to pay me up front." And I said, "Because I'm not getting on a plane until I know that uh, that I've been paid." And he says, "Yeah, we'll take care of that." And and sure enough, they wired me the money, and I said, "All right, I'll get on the next plane, and I'll be there." Uh, and I get there, and, and they had ten suspects for me uh, to interrogate, and uh, they had already interrogated everybody, and so they had already made a mess of this, which is typical in polygraph cases where they try everything first, and then when they run out of all options, then they call the polygraph examiner. I always like them to call me early on things rather than wait till after you've messed everything up. Yeah. But in this case, that's typical. Uh, they call after the fact, and uh, and I get out there. And I devised a very simple test so that I could screen everybody quickly, these 10 people, and get down to my proper person. So I did a test uh, that uh, allowed me to eliminate uh, seven of the 10 people very quickly. And then the other three I brought back uh, for more intensive interrogation with them. And at the end of those three, I was able to clear one. Uh, the Another one I discovered uh, they weren't the thief. But they were stealing all kinds of stuff from the company. They were they were in the maintenance, and they were stealing gasoline, and they were actually raising plants and then selling them back to the to the company. <laughs> it was kind wow. of a scam they had going on. Uh, but then, my, but my actual uh, criminal, uh, the person who really was doing the crimes, uh, he did very poorly uh, and tried to cheat on the polygraph. He used very clear countermeasures to try to subvert the test on the on the second go round. So, uh, and based on what he was doing, I knew exactly what he had he had uh, he had been doing. He'd, he'd been studying on the internet, and I even knew which site he had gone to 
to obtain this ridiculous information that he got on how to cheat a polygraph test. <laughs> and uh, uh, so I, I then shifted the focus of my interrogation with him since I wasn't going to get a confession out of him. There was a little bit of a language barrier, uh, but also he had been interrogated before. I had nothing to offer him. There was no incentive. There was nothing I had to bargain with uh, in this case. So, uh, so I decided to focus my interrogation on cheating on the polygraph. And I locked him into the concept that not only did he not cheat, but he said that he did not have access to the Internet, and he hadn't been on the Internet in over a month. And I said, well, that's great. So he's locked in on that, and I know damn well he's, he's been on the Internet to get the information he had to cheat on my test. So I got with the, the local detective there, and I said, hey, I said, here's what you're going to find. We need to get his computer because he's been on the computer, and I can tell you exactly what website he's gone to to get the information that he has to cheat in this manner on my test. I said, how do we get a search warrant? And he said, we don't need search warrants. He said, just go kick in his door. <laughs> so uh, this, is, this island is, uh, they don't have the U.S. Constitution there. Uh, so they kicked in his door, seized his computer, and sure enough, they found the exact site that I told them they'd find on his computer. He had, after he failed my first go-around and he was invited back the next day, he had spent all night trying to study how to beat a polygraph exam on the Jeez. Internet. <laughs> so uh, he was uh, easily convicted and uh, deported, and, and what they really wanted from me was a letter saying that, yes, we caught this guy, it was definitely him with some certainty, and they were using that to reassure the investors that, uh, that they had contained this problem, and it wasn't one of, uh, uh, one of the local people there. He was a contractor who was brought in from another island, and they were deporting him, and that uh, this was a done deal, and it was all over. So... Uh, so that was kind of a high-profile case that uh, wow. uh, that, that worked out well. And uh, I'm trying to think. There's, I, I had some others. I've learned. Uh, I, I wish I would have been prepared for this question because I actually <laughs> have some other high-profile ones, but I'm not sure which ones I can talk about and which ones I can't. I got you. Uh, don't get in trouble. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm definitely. Yeah, my my default position is don't talk about uh, <laughs> about stuff unless unless I'm positive. Oh, oh, here's one I can tell you. But there's a high-profile one uh, because this was in the in the newspapers and stuff. Um, this was, this was a case where uh, 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 Lopez, uh, what's the comedian? George. Uh, George Lopez, yeah. Uh, George Lopez came to Tampa for the uh, uh, the Ballaspar Golf Tournament. There's a big golf tournament that we have every year. And uh, he played in the pro-am part. So while he's here, uh, he uh, hires a couple of prostitutes and has sex with these girls. Mm -hmm. uh, after he pays them and has sex with them, uh, they decide, hey, this guy's a celebrity. Uh, this might be worth something. So they call the National Enquirer, and the National Enquirer says, hey, you know, we, we had sex with George Lopez. And they say, yeah, that's an interesting story. We like that, but how do we know you're telling the truth? And the girls were able to provide the hotel information and the dates, and everything seemed to match up well. Uh, but the National Enquirer still said, you know what, to their credit, you know, I'm not a big National Enquirer fan, but to their <laughs> credit, they called me and they said, hey, we have a source for a story. Can you polygraph them and see if it's true? And I said, sure, that's an easy one. Uh, they're either lying or they're telling the truth, the easy test. Uh, so I test this girl, and uh, indeed, she passed. She's telling the truth. She did indeed have sex with George Lopez, and he paid her $500, and then she brought her friend in, and she paid her $500 too, and uh, they both had sex with George Lopez. So the National Enquirer went ahead and ran the story based on uh, that, that she had passed the polygraph, 
and subsequently it came out that yeah indeed he did have sex with her he admitted to that and he ended up divorcing his wife and, uh, oh, and it wow. turned out she had given him a kidney before that too so it was like, i remember it was that pretty, yeah pretty bad stuff <clears throat> uh, so uh, but yeah so that's all out in the open yeah and uh, so I, that one that's one i can talk about because uh, it's all public now anyways yeah so uh, uh but yeah so yeah typically when people do poorly on a polygraph test uh, even criminal tests, if I work for a private defense attorney, attorney-client privilege extends to me, which means I can't talk about it, and most of the time when their clients it. fail, uh, it's a tree that fell in the forest. Uh, right, never, never happened, right. I can't talk about it, and the attorney-client privilege applies. Now, that they obviously treat their cases a little differently then. Like I had one recently where the uh, uh, it was a, a, a violent uh, uh, felony assault, and uh, the person was saying, no, they're innocent, and they're telling their lawyer they didn't do it, and they didn't do it, and on and on they're going. The lawyer thought it was a little hinky and said, you know, let's do a polygraph. And uh, I test him, and there's no question about it. Even his alibi was weak, and uh, his story made no sense. And uh, when I polygraph tested him, he's clearly deceptive. And uh, so I get with the attorney. I said, you know, this is, this is a no-brainer. This one's easy. He said, yeah, I kind of thought it was going to go that way, but he was insisting he was innocent. I said, really? I said, he, he said, do you even want this report? He said, yeah, actually I do. He said, because I'm going to use it to sell him on taking the plea deal, because if you can't pass my polygraph test in my office with my examiner, there's no way we're going to court and trying to pass this to a jury, because you're going to get a lot of time, take the plea deal, and be done with it. So uh, that was useful for his client to have a come-to-Jesus moment and say, you know what, <laughs> you did it, you were caught, it's time to cut your losses here and take the deal. Wow. Sometimes it's used for those kinds of purposes. Pretty neat. <clears throat> so earlier you were talking about the countermeasures and stuff. Is there a way that people can cheat? Or, I mean, I mean, you probably not with the way you're coming across to me, but I'm sure that, that a lot of people talk about that. I mean, you always hear oh, the yeah. They, about, they love, yeah, they love to try. Uh, I think it's kind of funny most of the time because they're usually just such crude countermeasures that are just obvious. And, uh, and of course, the, the fastest way to fail a polygraph exam, or any exam for that matter, is to cheat on it. You know, if you're taking a test in school and they catch you cheating, uh, they don't say, okay, we caught you, now you, that's a break even or we'll let you pass. No, 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 you're cheating, you fail. That's it, you're expelled, you're done. And uh, so it makes my life really easy when somebody tries to cheat on a polygraph exam because now I, I know the only reason you're cheating on a polygraph exam is because you're lying, and that's what I wanted to find out in the first place so we can get right to the fun part and right. go right to the interrogation now. Uh, so, no, they, they try to, uh, and people believe all kinds of stupid stuff that Hollywood tells them, uh, putting a tack in your shoe or, uh, you know, all this other nonsense. No, none of that works. That looks like you're in pain. Uh, <laughs> so, and, you know, drugs, you know, the... the, the we used to worry about that a lot. Uh, the federal government was obsessed about it, uh, that, that people could take drugs, you know, spies and stuff could infiltrate government agencies if they took drugs and beat the polygraph. Uh, so they did a lot of research on this, and it come to find out it doesn't work. Uh, the amount of drugs that you need to take just to get inconclusive on a polygraph exam makes you so obvious that you're in a stupor that nobody would test you in the first place. So, uh, you know, if the person can't walk into the room without assistance and sit in the chair without falling asleep, uh, <laughs> you, you, you've got to make sure you have somebody who's fit to be tested. That's right. If they're yeah. out of it, you wouldn't test them in the first place. You say, no, there's something wrong with this person. I'm not testing them. Uh, but uh, even, even at that, uh, all it would result in is the person would be inconclusive on the test if you did test them. It isn't going to cause an innocent person to pass or a guilty person to fail. It's just going to cause your inconclusive rate to go up. Mm. So, because you can't turn a drug on and off when you want to tell the truth and tell a lie. 
and most polygraph exams have known truth and known lie mixed into the test just for that reason for quality control. So I'll have known truth questions. I might ask you, you know, is this the month of December? You know, just a simple known truth question so I can see what it looks like when I absolutely know you're telling the truth. Uh, or I might use a known lie question uh, to ask you, you know, have you ever uh, violated a minor traffic law? And I want you to answer no to that question. So now I've set you up to lie on a question, uh, and now I can look at see what it looks like when you're telling a lie. So there's a lot of different techniques we use for different situations, but that's a very common one that we'll use known truth and known lie questions uh, mixed into a test. Wow. Yeah, I'm... I'm Blown away. I'm loving this. Yeah, this is good stuff. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad I can good to educate, entertain, and inform and enlighten people yeah, a little bit about what we do and what we can do, what we can't do. Yeah, because we've covered a lot of. We just do mostly cases, you know, uh, murder, sure. serial killers, missing people. Yeah, missing people and stuff. But this is like a first for us going in this direction as far as learning more about, you know, fighting crime and what people do to, uh, like what you do. And this, yeah. this is what we wanted to incorporate into our show a little bit. Good. Well, it, is a, it is a great tool for interrogation. It's one of the forensic tools that we use. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a very misunderstood tool. Uh, and one of the things, that we, can, we can't test people. We're not, what we're not good at is we can't, I'm not a psychic. I don't predict the future. Uh, I can't test on emotions. Uh, intent is a tough area for me because sometimes intent is the whole key to the thing is did the person intend to do that and that's always a tough one for me because sometimes I can test on intent but sometimes I can't it depends on how I can define it uh, but uh, uh, because you know did somebody knowingly do something if we can establish that they were aware that's fine uh, but if you can't establish that you really can't test on something that somebody should have been aware of mm-hmm. uh, so that that becomes a, a dicey issue but as far as actual behaviors and testing the did you do it did you uh, uh, did you act in this manner uh, that I can test on uh, but I can't predict the future will you always be faithful to your husband in the future I can't I can't I can't uh, test somebody on that I'm not a psychic I can't help yeah. with that uh, but have you done it in the past yeah that I can help you with <laughs> So, you know, earlier you were talking about advances in tech, like coming from the analog machine to what you are uh, instrument <laughs> until and you know what you're doing now. What do you think about the CVSA or the ID tech stuff that they're talking about? Oh. <laughs> uh, CVSA is a joke. Uh, CVSA is computerized voice stress analysis. And where this comes from, uh, if you'll indulge me for about five minutes here, I'll, I'll give you the whole story. You can edit out to the boring parts, I guess. <laughs> uh, this actually came out of the time when polygraph used analog instruments, okay, the big clunky instrument with the paper coming out the side, stuff like that. Right. And during the era in, in Vietnam, is actually where this came from, uh, they said, hey, we captured an enemy, and we want to interrogate him. We want to get valuable information and intelligence. Uh, but by the time we take him back somewhere to be interrogated and get a polygraph exam done, the information will be stale. <coughs> so, you know, time is important here. If we had an, a way of doing it faster, uh, we, it'd be much more valuable to us. So they said, what could we do that would be as good as polygraph, uh, but much faster and more efficient to use? So the government spent a bunch of money on research. Well, at the same time that this happened, they were also doing research with uh, audio stuff, and somebody was looking at some of these uh, uh, what they called microtremors that occur in the voice. And the microtremors that occur in a voice that you can pull out of a recording uh, 
will identify someone much like a fingerprint would identify someone. Okay? So you can take this fingerprint off a table and say, this came from me, but it could not have come from you or anyone else in this room. It had to come from this person. And they look at these, uh, these micro-tremors and they say, hey, these are unique to the individual, uh, and, and they can match up to say that this voice came from this person. That's very valuable. And it's still used today uh, in, in messaging and stuff. If you get a message, if you get a sample of uh, Osama bin Laden or something, uh, since we have a known sample of his voice, we can then match up those micro-tremors and say, yes, this is definitely him and not just somebody impersonating him. It's, it's a true voice sample. So that part is, is, is good science. But somebody along the way looked at that, those voice, uh, uh, those microtremors, and said, hey, you know, that kind of looks like a polygraph chart. Uh, I wonder if we could use that to determine if someone's telling the truth or telling a lie. They said, oh, that's interesting. Let's look into that. So they spent a whole bunch of money, like more than $10 million, uh, researching this and come to find out you can't. It does nothing at all to detect deception, just as I can't say that fingerprint came from you while you were telling a lie. It doesn't collate that way, okay? Uh, but the average person doesn't know that. So this colonel who was working that project was retiring from the military, and he said, hey, you mind if I take my data with me? And they said, no, it's of no value to us. It doesn't work, so we don't care. And he decided to take it to market, and he created this computerized voice stress analysis that basically recorded these micro-tremors in your voice. And from then on, it became a marketing ploy. And he said, hey, here's what you do. Uh, go give it to some police department who can't afford a polygraph examiner and just tell them, look for Christmas tree types of uh, uh, patterns in these voice stress, which every voice stress analysis will have a Christmas tree type of pattern. And if you see a Christmas tree pattern, interrogate because the person's lying to you. Well, the vast majority of people that we arrest as criminal suspects are, in fact, guilty. We don't pick people at random off the street and charge them with crimes. There's a reason why this person's in custody. So the majority of them are indeed guilty. And when you interrogate guilty people, some guilty people will confess. That just happens naturally. Well, now you have this little tool that you've convinced them that this is a magic instrument that has determined they're telling a lie. And upon hearing that, some guilty people will say, okay, you caught me, I, okay, I did it. Uh, but it's an interrogation trick. The tool did absolutely nothing. It just made funny little pictures. So they mimic the, uh, the setting of a polygraph, ask questions, even ask control questions and all kinds of other nonsense, basically to sell it to the individual taking the test that this is science, and then hope they get a confession out of the person. But there is no science to it whatsoever. Uh, it's, it's, it's all just magic and illusion. So uh, there, it's, it's not scientific. Uh, it's just an interrogation trick, a uh, very expensive interrogation trick, but just a, a trick hmm. uh, to convince somebody that you've done something that, uh, that you believe they're, uh, that, that they believe that you know they're lying, and, uh, and then they might confess to you. Hmm. So yeah. it's, it's stupid. Uh, it shouldn't be used. It's unethical, I think, to, to use it on, uh, uh, for police applicants, although there are some departments, even here in Florida, that use computerized voice stress analysis for applicant screening. And uh, I think it's unethical, and it's, it's foolish because if, if the person knows any better, you know, they, they say, hey, great, this is, uh, is going to be easy. I can tell them whatever I want because they're not going to know the difference. Uh, and some applicants that are, dis that are undesirable applicants will look for an agency that doesn't do proper polygraph uh, to try to get on the job uh, because they're keeping a secret that would disqualify them if it was revealed. 
So that's a problem as far as I'm concerned. So if, if you're if you're an agency that's going to use an interrogation trick like that, at least don't get fooled by your own nonsense yeah. and know that you're using a trick. But uh, the the, the uh, groups that sell CVSA, they don't let you in on the joke. They don't say this is a scam. Uh, they just tell you look for little Christmas trees and uh, <laughs> and interrogate. And, and so you basically you'll interrogate everybody. Uh, but you shouldn't be making any case decisions based on a CVSA. It's a, it's it's it's, it's got less reliability than less reliability than astrology charts. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's there's more scientific validity to tarot cards than there is to CVSA. So wow. don't 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 fall for any of that nonsense. It's it's ridiculous and uh, it's not a substitute for polygraph at all. It's just an interrogation trick, pure and simple. Uh, polygraph's a great tool. It's not perfect. It's getting better. There are things that we can do to improve it. And in the future, we may have some other channels. Uh, one area that's very promising is pupil dilation. Uh, there's really great evidence to support uh, pupil dilation uh, that corresponds to deception. And so we can use that. And uh, But we don't use it currently in polygraph, but someday we might. There is a company that's trying to use that in a limited fashion, uh, but they're not using it quite properly. Uh, so they're trying to use it as a screening tool, and they're, they're marketing it before it's ready to be marketed. Uh, so it's it's not quite where they're pretending it is, uh, which is too bad because uh, if, if more research is done, it really could make polygraph much more accurate uh, as an additional channel to polygraph, in my opinion. Uh, but it's really not a, a good standalone product, at least not yet. Maybe someday it will be. Uh, but we're looking at new technologies all the time. And uh, but like I said, lies are complicated things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and, and bringing them out of people and getting them to confess to them, you know, it's a combination of art and science. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the future of polygraph, but you just you just answered that completely. Yeah, yeah, I figured that was a good way to go. Yeah, is there <laughs> anything about polygraph that we haven't asked you that you know would be useful information for folks to know? That- uh, one of the common myths that people believe is that uh, <clears throat> that uh, psychopaths can pass polygraph exams because they have no remorse. You know, like Ted Bundy or something could pass a polygraph exam, and that's not true. Uh, it's true they have no remorse. Uh, they don't feel bad about what they've done, uh, but they do have self-preservation, uh, and so that causes them to fail the polygraph exam. Mm. Uh, they know the difference between right and wrong, and telling the truth and telling a lie, and they are telling a lie, and they want that lie to be believed and it, it doesn't work. They fail a polygraph exam just like everybody else. Uh, so that's one of the, the myths that the, the people often believe. Uh, the other, uh, one of the other myths that, that, uh, that, that people get hung up on um, uh, is uh, uh, about pathological liars, uh, people who lie a lot. And, and the problem with pathological liars is most people don't understand the term. Uh, a pathological liar is not a used car salesman. A used car salesman or a politician uh, they lie a lot. They're a practiced liar. They're good at lying. You know, the Hillary Clinton kind of liar. You can wake them up in the middle of the night and they'll tell you a lie. Uh, they fail polygraph exams because they know that they're lying. Right? Uh, the true pathological liar is someone who actually believes they're telling the truth. Uh, and the reason they don't pose a threat to polygraph. Now, they would pass a polygraph test. Uh, if, you pay, if you ask them, were you born on Mars, and they really believe they're a Martian, they're going to pass the polygraph exam. Now, it doesn't mean they were born on Mars. It just means that they believe they were. Uh, but the problem with that person is there's always other pathology about them that is so obvious that you would never test them in the first place uh, because these are truly crazy people. Uh, and, and But, yeah, they believe all the nonsense that they're telling you, and they'll tell you a ton of stuff, and it's all fantasy, but it's real to them. 
and if you were stupid enough to test them on it, they would pass because it's real. They're not lying to you. Uh, they believe what they're saying. So we've got to remember, we're, we're in polygraph, we're not testing people on reality. We're testing them on their beliefs. Yeah. Um, so I'll give you a real quick other story, uh, one I did for an insurance company, uh, where we had uh, a person who was a witness to an accident, a good witness to the accident, uh, who said that uh, they saw the car go through the red light and crash into another car. All right? And they were impartial, so they were a good witness, uh, in that they had no... You know, they had no dog in the fight. Uh, they were completely impartial observer of this accident, so their credibility was, was, uh, wasn't really questioned. And I was going to be polygraphing them, and before I did the polygraph, I went over the case facts with them, and I talked to them about it, and I listened to them. As an interrogator, we, we need to be good at listening to people. And here's the story they told me, and see if you pick this out right away, because uh, uh, about half of your audience will. <clears throat> they said they're standing on the corner eating an ice cream cone, and as they're sitting there uh, licking their ice cream cone, they hear this big crash, and they look up, and they see this car go through the intersection underneath the red light and hit the other car. All right. So I immediately said, hmm, this <laughs> yeah. is a bit of a problem. Uh, we're, we're out of the proper sequence here. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so we went back over it again with them, and they told me the same story. They're eating their ice cream cone, heard a big crash, looked up and saw this car go through the red light hit the other car. Uh, so this person is not lying. Uh, they really believe that they saw a car go through a red light and hit another car. But the fact is they didn't. They're not a witness at all. They heard the crash. They're present during the crash. They heard the crash. And when they looked up, they saw that the light was red. But they didn't see the car go through the red light. They, and the fact is they don't know what color the light was when the car went through it because the crash already occurred by the time they looked at the light. So they don't know what color the light was. And once I went over that with them again, they said, oh, you're right, I don't know. <laughs> and yet before that, they'd given depositions swearing that they saw the car go through the red light. But they're not lying. They're doing something that human beings do naturally. This is why magic works, because the magician can fool us into making assumptions based on our prior experience. And for this person, when they hear a crash and they look up and they see a red light, they put together what happened. Yes, that car went through the red light and hit that other car. That's a logical progression of what happened. But the fact is, lights change quickly. Mm -hmm. And we don't know what color light was when the guy went through it, because that's what's pertinent to the case. Mm. Not what color the light was afterwards. We know the light turned red afterwards. But what color was it when we went through it? We don't know. And that person doesn't know either, because they heard the crash first. Right. But that's not a lie, because that's a normal human thing to put things in a logical order. And it's important to understand that. Uh, before you start calling people liars, uh, they're not just making a normal human mistake on something. And that's why it's important to go over the issue with them and hear what they're saying to you, because sometimes the truth just comes out in the way people word things. Uh, which leads me to another point on other technologies that we use, because as an interrogator, uh, polygraph isn't my only tool. There's other tools in my toolbox. Polygraph is my best tool by far, but if I don't have polygraph, I can use kinesic interviewing techniques, which is the body language stuff. Uh, I can use statement analysis, which is a wonderful tool, very powerful, uh, the way people use words. Uh, uh, one more quick polygraph story. I, this wasn't my case, but it's a, it's a great case that you're probably familiar, especially up where you are. Uh, that's the Susan Smith case in South oh, yeah. Carolina, right? You guys are probably real familiar with that one. Yeah, right? we covered her case, actually. Yeah. 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 Okay, so do you know about the polygraph on her? Um, we may have, but you can refresh uh, okay. us. No, go ahead. Uh, okay, that's part <laughs> of the, the case file. The way that case was solved 
uh, it was is through good detective work with statement analysis and a polygraph. And what has happened is, because remember, she's on TV saying their kids are lost shoes. They were abducted, uh, and her, everybody in the world is looking for that SUV with the kids. And God help you if you happen to be driving around in an SUV of that type. You were you were getting pulled out and stretched out on the pavement, and everybody in the country is looking for this SUV because she's on CNN crying, saying, "Hey, help me find my my lost kids." Uh, so the detectives start talking to her, and one of them was trained in statement analysis. And they start talking to her about the kids and, you know, well, how everything went down. And they go over her story a whole bunch of times. And uh, so then in, in between, they say, well, let's give us a little background information about your kids. Tell us, tell us a little more about things. And one of the statements that she made, the one that jumped out, she said about her son, she says, he loved his teddy bear. Okay? In the past, That's yes. a problem. Yeah. yeah. Okay? L-O-V-E-D. He loved his teddy bear. Remember, this is a mom who's looking for her missing kids. Her love. And now she's talking about him in the past tense. That's not something that a mother who's looking for her missing kids would do. She would say he loves his teddy bear. She would have hope that he's alive. When she talked about him in the past tense, he's dead. That's a big clue. All right? Now, do you say stand up, put your hands behind your back, you're under arrest for murder? No, not at all. It's just a clue. You put it in your back pocket. You save it for later, okay? You see if she'll do it some more with other things, okay? But now they know this is a homicide case. The kids we were looking for are dead, okay? But they give her a polygraph exam. And the first polygraph exam they give her was just traditional did-you-do-it test. She fails the test, no question, uh, but she sticks to her story. She says, oh, I, was, I failed because I was nervous. You know, okay, no, nonsense. Uh, but nevertheless as long as she's being cooperative and she is being cooperative because she's trying to play the victim here uh they'll keep working with her so i say you know what uh maybe you did fail that test because you were nervous we'll give you a different test here that that you so you won't be so nervous on this test will be really simple because now what the detectives know is she's lying she's involved in the case she's killed the kids so what is it that that only she as a guilty person would know which is where the kids at, where the bodies are at. So they took a big map of South Carolina and they drew it into four quadrants. And the test questions were simple. They said, do you know for certain that your kids are in zone one of this map? Do you know for certain they're in zone two, zone three, zone four? And she just answered, no, no, no. Okay. Well, she failed on zone two. She's, so how they know their kids are in zone two. So they play again, take zone two, cut up into four quadrants and say, do you know for certain they're in zone one of this map? Zone two, zone three, no four, no, 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 she says. They play this game with her three times, and as every time they play the game, that lake is getting bigger and bigger because the maps are getting more and more precise. And after three times, she realized what was up, and she gave it up and said they're in the lake. Oh, wow. That's how that case was solved, through good detective work, good statement analysis, and good use of polygraph. Yeah. It's brilliant. I don't know if you were aware of how that all went down. No, we weren't aware of that at all. That was a polygraph case. Yep, that was definitely... Polygraph is what solved that, and it was good use of polygraph with a, a, a well-trained examiner who knew to use what's called the searching peak attention test. It's a very basic exam that we do where we have information that is known only to a guilty party, and uh, it's, it's kind of like the game of Clue, you know, Colonel Mustard in the library with the candlestick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you just narrow it down. So, yeah, that's good use of polygraph, and a, a good, well-trained examiner uh, can apply his skill to those situations and his interrogation skills to know what questions to ask and how to use it uh, to have a proper resolution. 
Now, you know, the kids were already dead, so there's no no happy ending there. Uh, but at least we got her and uh, got her convicted as well. She deserves to be, and I think she's still in prison in South Carolina and will she be is. for many years to come. I think she's up for parole next year, 2024. Probably, but I, I suspect she'll, she'll be one that will probably get rejected. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sometimes the, the parole system gets it right, and especially on a high-profile case. Nobody wants to be on the commission and said, yeah, we're going to let Susan Smith go early. Yeah, right. she's had a lot of a lot of problems in prison. Okay. No doubt. Yeah, yeah. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Well, David. Yeah, but she flat out murdered those kids. Yeah. Mm. Well, David, we certainly appreciate you being on our show. This was very enlightening to us. I loved it. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. I, I, I hope your uh, listeners will find it enjoyable and, uh, like I said, information, entertainment, and uh, uh, so they can understand how this works and what we can do and how how polygraph uh, can uh, be a good forensic tool if you do it properly. You got to yeah. do it right. Yeah, you've done a great job explaining and do it, and just showing us that basically it's it's more it's just to be important as the the examiner is is the technology to me. You just got to be knowing knowing what you're doing, how to how to ask questions, and what questions to ask. <clears throat> well, thank you, thank you. I'm I'm, I'm glad I was uh, informative, but I hope I lived up to your expectations. So. Oh yes, yeah, sur- yeah. surpassed. We'll, we'll maybe call you back again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, call me back anytime. I'm happy to answer questions. As you see, I'm more than happy to talk about what I do and how okay. I do it. I'm. We're all kind of egomaniacs, I guess. If you do this business long enough, you have to be overwhelmed with self confidence. Otherwise, uh, you can't can't do this stuff. Uh, <laughs> you you got to have a, a certain amount of uh, charisma and uh, confidence to be an interrogator. Yes, I'll get this put together, and it'll drop on all of our podcast platforms Monday morning. So I'll send you. Okay, a little, yeah, I'll, I'll look forward to hearing how it comes out and yeah. how it sounds in the final final cut there. Yeah, it'll it'll turn out great. Good. Well, David, you have a good night. Man, we certainly appreciate you doing this. Yeah, thanks so much for taking time out to talk to us. We really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, we do. You're very welcome. It's a pleasure talking to you. All right. Have a good night. All right. Good night. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, Dale. Again, we want to thank David Bryant. Wow. Polygraph examiner extraordinaire. Extraordinaire. Yeah. Oh, man, I loved it. Yeah, he was very informative. And, man, I, I learned a lot. I did, too. I was I learned a lot because uh, I was like, wow, I'll sit here picking my job up over and over because i'm like this is so cool to, to know all this and, and and how to go about doing it and it just brings a lot more to especially when we do other cases or new cases when they say they've taken a polygraph because I, I don't want to call it lie detector because that's not what it is and it's an instrument yes <laughs> not a machine you know all about that <laughs> yeah i got scolded yeah. but really it was uh really cool of him taking his time to come out and do this and uh i don't know just it's just really cool to to do stuff like that and i like to do more stuff like that in the future actually yeah we wanted to do something a little bit different hope you guys dug it as much as we did yeah yeah we want to do something a little bit different and stay in our true crime yeah right in our, in our lane man it's, yeah it's right down our lane and i don't know just cool the cool stories and stuff and man he's he's he knows a lot yeah he's very uh educated on this very matter. educated man yes and we appreciate him a whole big bunch heck yeah and he's a friend of the crack house now uh-huh yeah family family no That's friends right. all family yep other than that, Dale, we're going to get out of here, bud. All right, bud. Let's roll. We want everyone to be safe. Please be careful and always be aware of your surroundings. Because the next episode could be about you. This is the Crack House Chronicles. Chronicles.